Good morning. My name is Marlon, and I'm proud to be Aaron's uncle. And I just want to say uh, to you, Aaron and Renee and Samuel and Caleb and Micah, how proud I am of you, of your toughness, of your willingness to bite this thing off that we call church, your resiliency, your perseverance, your curiosity, your courage. All of these, I believe, and to all of you who have been in this with them, because you too are to be thanked and to be honored, because this is a tough thing that you do, and you do it, and you keep doing it, and I am so very, very proud for whatever that's worth. I am so very, very proud of you, and thank you for continuing to do this, because all these things are the manifestation of what I want to talk with you about this morning, and that's this essence, this um, personification, if you will, this extension of what I believe is the single greatest power in the universe that is active today for positive good. And that is this spirit, this Holy Spirit that comes from God. And um, I want to begin by piggybacking on what Aaron said in the announcements about everything being uh, um, connected to God. This is uh, a basic tenet of Judaism. And I want to remind you that the Holy Spirit is not some invention of Christianity. It did not come with Jesus, that Jesus was well aware of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Those who experienced the gift of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and those who were there, Pentecost is that day when the Spirit fell on the disciples and they spoke in tongues of other nations, the rushing wind, the tongues of fire, you remember? That, that the people who saw this weren't surprised by what was happening. They were surprised about to whom it was happening because it was happening to ordinary people and young people at that. Uh, most of those disciples were under the age of 20. They were teenagers. They were young. And here they were, speaking in language that they didn't know they knew and didn't know. And that was what was the surprise of the Jews around them from all over the known world, was that the Holy Spirit was falling on people like these. Right? So, um, just to piggyback on what Aaron says, there is in Judaism this very strong held tenet that everything that breathes, uh, all breath, is the essence of God, is a connection to the divine. The birds of the air, the fish of the sea, the creatures that walk and crawl, those that walk on two feet, every breath, Breath is life and breath is God. Let everything that breathes, the psalmist says, praise the Lord. Why? Because every breath is a gift of God. But then there's this special sense of the Spirit's activity. 
It starts with the first day of creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without void. And the Spirit of God, or the breath of God, or the wind of God, the word means any one of those, was hovering over the face of the deep. And that word hovering is an active word. Hebrew only has 2,000 words in its whole language. That is an incredibly small number of words. English has thousands of words. That's why English is so difficult. Hebrew, only a handful of words. But the most important words are the verbs. And the verbs have different endings. They can be active. They can be passive. This verb, hovering, is an active verb. So this activity is active. And it appears a couple other places. Same verb, same form. This is important. In a couple other places in Scripture. An eagle flutters. Same word, flutters over the nest of its young to protect it from the sun. Jeremiah says that his heart fluttered before the Lord, trembled before the Lord. Exact same verb form. It's Father's Day, so I'll use a father example. Here's a sentence. And a father was watching his children at play. And a father was watching his children at play. Here's the context. It's a playground. It's a city. It's filled with children. There are adults all over the place. And this father stands and was watching his children play. Is that an active watching or a passive watching? That's what's happening here at the beginning. And the Scriptures talks about God as watching. Is God's watching an active watching or a passive watching? And when it's necessary, this dove, this eagle, this father or mother becomes active when there's danger to the child, when there's danger to the children, when there's threat, when there's harm, when there's a need for encouragement, you can go down that slide. Try it. And then later in that period of creation, God gets to the point of fashioning a human out of clay, out of dirt. And then what does God do? Breathes life into that human being. And then, and then you have God's Spirit falling on individuals. And when it falls on individuals, sometimes they do heroic things like Elijah. The Spirit of God falls on Elijah and he does a marathon in front of Ahab's chariot all the way to Jezreel. Which tells me, by the way, that I think the prophet Elijah was a young man. We always picture these prophets as old with long beards. I think he was a young man. 
I honestly do. I think most of the prophets were young. Jeremiah certainly was young. And I'm going to come back to that because I think that's important. And I think we miss it. Because most of the writers of the Bible and the artists who depict these prophets, they're my age. They're old. And they're putting beards on them. They're even putting beards on God. Right? Whereas I think God is forever a child. And it's us who grow out of childlikeness, not God. God is forever a child. And that's what makes God God and separates us from Him. We grow out of that. Huh? So, Spirit of God falls on individuals. Spirit of God wraps around individuals like a garment. Gideon. And it's okay if you're out there, you're in here and you don't know about any of these people, it's okay. You come to the right place. I'm going to teach you about them. That's why you're here to learn. That's why I'm here to teach. The Holy Spirit holds holds people like a hand, the Scripture says. In the palm of His hand. It's the Spirit's work. And then there's this kind of sobering sense where God can take His Spirit away. We have Ezekiel saying that. Ezekiel was a prophet. Again, I think he was a young man. And he said, I saw the light of God, the Spirit of God, the light of God. The word is Shekinah. It's the light of God, the Spirit of God. Leave the temple and God took it back up to heaven. And prophecy ended. The Word of God was no longer when the temple was destroyed and they were taken off into captivity. And then stay with me because it gets really, really good from here on, I hope. Seventy-five years later, a guy named Ezra comes back and he comes back with a book that was written in captivity, likely. It's called the Torah. It's the five books of Moses. It's got the prophets. It's got Psalms. It was collected, these stories. It was edited while they were in Babylon, in captivity. The work of the Spirit, even though gone, still there working in and through the collection of the stories that made them who they were. And Ezra brings that back. And what does the text tell us? That Ezra opens that book and he trains people to teach. And when they teach, what's happening? The Spirit of God. The breath of God. The wind of God is what's happening and still happening when we do this well and out of the right spirit, right? So then we have the conception of Jesus. Who's there? Conceived by the Holy Spirit. And then again, we have the same story, except now it's with Jesus. Before it was with this entity, this personification of God, this essence of God, known as the Spirit of God, wind of God, breath of God, that is conceived by God on the day of creation given to man in order to encourage the man, humankind, in order to encourage us, in order to 
to motivate us, in order to comfort us, in order to rebuke us. All these things that the Spirit does in order to show us how we ought to live, to make the world a better place, how we ought to be God's agents in the world. That's what His people were called out to be. That was the work of the Spirit to endow them with the ability to be God's agents in the world, agents for redemption, agents for salvation. People to make the world a better place, to show the world, this is how you can be. This is how you can be. and be blessed. Right? Jesus is the same thing conceived by the Holy Spirit, conceived by God, conceived by the Holy Spirit there to show us how to live. And we killed Him. We always say He died for our sins. That's a pleasant way of saying it. We killed Him. We human beings. Sent by God. Peter says, anointed by the Holy Spirit at his baptism. Sent to show us how to live, to be God among us. You see, it's a sobering story, too. But that's not the end of the story. That's not the good news. Good news is you can't kill God. Well, at least you can't keep him dead. Amen? You can't keep God dead. We try all the time. doesn't work. comes back. He's raised. And there He is. Now we've got to deal with Him all over new. He goes up to heaven. and Then we have this Pentecost event that Aaron preached on so well not that many weeks ago. The coming of the Holy Spirit and a rush of wind and tongues like fire. And As I said, the surprise here wasn't that the Holy Spirit was there. They were expecting that. It was that the Holy Spirit was falling on ordinary people like you and me. And that Peter was saying, this is the fulfillment of prophecy. Your young men will see vision. Your old men will dream dreams. Your sons and daughters and your slaves will prophesy. Everyone will speak for God. Everyone will live out of this life-giving empowering, redemption-giving spirit. That was the birthday of the church. But it was a Jewish movement. Are we still okay? You alright? So for the next eight or ten years, the movement of Jesus is Jewish. And then we come to the story in Acts 10 of a man named Cornelius. He's a Gentile. He's a soldier. He's a, um, a mid-level officer in the Roman army. He's living in this place called Caesarea Maritime, which is this huge place. It's where Pontius Pilate would have been when he was there. And he gets this vision from God to, go, to send men to Joppa, where Peter is, and to bring Peter back. At the same time, Peter sees this vision, Right? He's on the roof of Simon the Tanner's place. He sees this vision of a blanket coming down and it's got all kinds of unclean animals on it. You know, there are pork sandwiches and, and camel chili and all of this stuff, right? 
And and God is saying, take, eat. And Peter's saying, no, it's unclean. We don't eat things. It's not kosher. Up to heaven, back down, because Peter's slow sometimes, right? Takes Peter always three times for Peter. Third time comes down and goes back up to heaven. And then these men show up and he goes with them to Cornelius' house. And here's, here's where we get to where I want to, I want to be. Remember back in Pentecost when the Holy Spirit falls on them and everybody's surprised that the Holy Spirit fell on these ordinary people? Now they're in Cornelius's house. Cornelius is a Gentile. This is a Jewish movement. There's nothing in their heads that's thinking about anything beyond converting Jews to the Jesus movement, convincing Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. It's not there in their heads. And then what happens? Peter tells them the story of Jesus. And as he is speaking, the text says, the Holy Spirit falls on Cornelius and his household and they begin to speak in tongues and they begin to praise God. And the circumcised who came with Peter were what? Surprised that the Holy Spirit was falling on you and me. On Gentiles. Because there's the hook, yeah? We're constantly caught by surprise through whom God speaks. And often we don't get the message because we can't accept the messengers. And in my opinion, folks, many of the messengers today are the young. Like Greta Thornburg, right? So many people don't like her. She's that Swedish young woman with Asperger's syndrome, compulsive, obsessive behavior, who's speaking about climate change, right? And a whole lot of us, maybe some of you who are listening or are here, don't, don't really like the way she comes across and we're not convinced that what she's saying is true. I just want to suggest to you that we might want to listen because she might be a prophet because she's someone we don't expect the Spirit to speak through. And that's the ones the Spirit speaks through most often. So I'm not saying she's a prophet or she's not. I'm just saying we ought to consider maybe. Maybe she is. And we ought to listen. So two stories and then I'll be done. Maybe three. Um, back in um, 1935, a guy by the name of Bill W. and a friend of his, a doctor named um, um, Bob S., um, both of whom self-describe as self-identify themselves as hopeless alcoholics. They connected with an Episcopalian priest named Shoemaker and uh, a Catholic nun came named uh, um, Ignatia. And they formed this movement. Does anybody know what it is? Called Alcoholics Anonymous. And it was a movement that was religious. The 12 steps are very spiritually oriented. Uh, formula for getting better. They brought science into it. 
as Bob S., who was the doctor, he was a surgeon, got together with other doctors and researchers, and they came to the conclusion that alcoholism was genetic, a disease, that could be treated, but that treatment alone wouldn't transform alcoholics, those caught in the addiction. So the religious aspect got brought into it. And I would suggest to you that millions of people trapped in the devastation of addictions, not just alcohol now, pornography, the, the breath of addictions have been transformed and saved through that movement of the Holy Spirit through two men in 1935. So here's a second story. <clears throat> it's about a guy named Daryl Davis. He's a black guy. He's a musician. He's a jazz musician. He plays the piano. And he played with some, he was born in 1956, and he played with some of, um, some of the great black pianists. And, uh, he was playing one night in a bar, and the guy taps him on the shoulder and says, Hey, can I buy you a drink? I really like your music. He's a white guy, about 15 years older than him, and he sits down at a table with him, and the guy, is talking about his music and they're having a good conversation and the guy who's white says to him, uh, or the guy next to the guy who's white says, oh, by the way, this guy is a member of the KKK. And Daryl says, no way, and he, he laughs it off and the guy goes in his billfold, pulls out a card, that's his membership to the KKK. And so what does Daryl do? Daryl strikes up a friendship with this guy. And he manages to get from this guy the name and phone number of the Grand Dragon of the Maryland KKK, who later becomes uh, uh, whatever the wizard, the thing is for wizard, of the whole state of Maryland. And he invites him to a hotel in order to talk to him about a book that he wants to write, but he has his secretary do it, who's white, so that the guy can't recognize his voice because if you listen to his voice on a podcast, he clearly has a, a voice that distinguishes himself as black. And he managed to strike up a friendship with this guy whose last name is Kelly. Kelly invites him to his home. Kelly invites him to rallies of the KKK. Black guy invited to rallies of the KKK. Long story short, the Grand Wizard of the Maryland KKK gives up his membership, closes the chapter of that organization, and brings 100 KKK members with him out of the Ku Klux Klan and into a different understanding of what race is. Now, what is that? I think that's a movement of the single most powerful force on earth. I think that's a movement of the Holy Spirit, moving in a place we wouldn't expect, a bar, and through a person we wouldn't expect, a jazz musician. Moving two people we wouldn't expect to be receptive, white supremacy. So last, last thing. How might the Holy Spirit work in and through you 
Maybe it's working right now. Maybe the Spirit is convicting you of a need to be more open to different vehicles through which the Holy Spirit might speak. I hope so. Because I think we need to listen better to those we don't like or those we don't think understand the way we think they should. I think we need to listen better. I think we need to form relationships with people and figure out ways to be understood and to understand. Because I think our country and our world desperately needs us as agents of God to be a part of that redemptive movement. So I think about the Spirit in my own life the way I think of a traffic light. You know, red light, yellow light, green light. There are times when the Spirit puts up a red light and so often I run right through it. Maybe you can identify. And what happens if you run through a red light too many times? What eventually is going to happen? It's going to be a wreck. You know it. You can't do that over and over and over and over again and not expect to wreck. There are so many relational wrecks that come because we don't recognize the red light that the Spirit is putting up in us at the time when the Spirit is doing that. The Spirit is saying, don't say that to this one that you love. Don't say that. It's cruel. It's mean. Don't say it. And we say it anyway. And if you do that enough, the result is going to be the wreck of that relationship. Or the Spirit puts up a yellow light and says, look, move, but move with caution. Be alert. Be awake. I'm at that point right now in my own life. I'm ending a job and I'm looking for work. I want to work, but I don't want a job. And it's yellow light time. There are lots of people, lots of things that I care about, right? Are you tracking with me? And the Spirit's saying, of course I want. Marlon, you don't retire from the work of the Spirit. You don't retire from the work of God. No matter whether you're a pastor, we don't retire from doing good things. You don't retire from that. You continue to be that force in the world for good Amen? Don't stop doing that because you're 65 or 70 or 80 or whatever. You continue until 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 you don't get that last breath. And you quit. So I have these, that there's there's this yellow light flashing that says, move. Yes, you got to do something, but be cautious. Don't jump at the first thing. And then there's green lights where the Spirit says go, and we know it's a go. And how many times, folks, have you not gotten a green light in your life and you haven't gone and you look back and said, I should have, I could have, I wish I would have? Yeah? I just invite you to be alert to those flashing lights that occur all through your day And when you get them, pay attention to them. Respond to them. The Jewish folks have a word for what comes out of that. It's called mitzvot. Mitzvot are good deeds. Good deeds. And 
Judaism holds that the world is constantly tottering between that that creative void where the spirit is hovering, create that chaos and creation. I'm just about done. The world is constantly like this, going to slip into chaos, going to slip into goodness, chaos, goodness, chaos, goodness. And what keeps this going? Every good deed you do, every good thing you do, every good word you say is on this side. Every time you miss an opportunity, we get we get the balance on the other side. So, James was right. Faith without works is dead. The proof of the movement of the Spirit in your life and my life and in our world is what we do. So do good, my friends. And let the Spirit work through you. Thank you for having me here this morning, for listening so attentively. I appreciate it. Let's pray.